Good morning, and I get to share about anxiety. Now, traditionally, a lot of people say, for the start of your sermon, it's good to start off with a joke. I did a little bit of homework, looked at jokes on anxiety. It's not really a funny thing, you know? It's, it's a pretty sensitive topic, and I was like, no, that's not really going to work. But I did find a good quote, which kind of ties in. It's from a gentleman, Grenville Kleiser. If any of you know the right pronunciation, I apologize and you inform me later. But anyway, his quote is, good humor is a tonic for the mind and body. It's the best antidote for anxiety and depression. It's a business asset. It attracts and keeps friends. It lightens human burden, burdens. It's the direct route to sincerity and serenity, sorry, serenity and contentment. So I figure that will be a, a good start for, for it. And uh, it's also, of course, in a spiritual dynamic. Again, it's, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Speaking on anxiety, find myself anxious. Not only that, but away from the speaker. Um, I recently had transitioned from uh, one job to the other, and my new job requires me to be putting quite a bit of miles on my car, my personal car. And the power steering went out on it. And so I was like, oh, this is wonderful. So we have a mechanic that we've got a great relationship with, and so took it over there, and basically he was like, yeah, well, it least will be $700, might be more depending on, because it's an older car, and you have to do a lot of work, and so things can happen, lines can break, and da-da-da-da-da-da, because it's a 99 and whatever. So anyway, price could go up from there. So we were weighing, like, okay, how much money into this car that has over 120,000 miles on it, it's a 99, versus getting another car. Of course, it'd be a used car, but anyway, and all of that. So, yeah. I'm sharing on anxiety, and again, it's something we probably all can relate with, and I have been having my share of anxiety with things, too. The verse that uh, I chose as far as the scripture reading ahead of time, 2 Corinthians 10, 3, I believe it's verses 3 through 6, that was the first slide, I believe, with message, and yes. I think that really, to me, that, that would be the foundational, that would be the underpinning of what we're, we'll be examining through God's Word and that today. To realize that what we're engaged in, the spiritual warfare, it's really a battle that goes on in our mind. It's what, what is the enemy trying to bring to the forefront of our heart, of our soul, of our mind, versus what does the Word of God say? What is God's promises? What are God's things that he would have us to stand on? And as we apply that specifically to anxiety, fear, and those things, we need to, uh, God's given us this, I learned something new this week. I like words. And so a new word that I learned in preparation for this is metacognition. And, okay. Yeah, just because the thought exists, it's in our brain, it doesn't make it true. We have this incredible God-given skill called metacognition. And go ahead. 
Metacognition means you have the ability to think about your thoughts. You can pause, momentarily separate yourself away from the speaker, away from your thoughts, and begin to discern what's healthy and what's not, and discard the unhealthy. God's given us that ability to be able to step back. And a lot of times when when we feel ourselves being pulled down with fear and anxiety, we're getting so caught up with that that we're losing this truth. We're losing this reality. And again, 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing, and I believe he's really addressing that thing. We need to recognize the enemy's trying to pull us into a fight. And he's not going to play fair. He's going to try to use our emotions and get us wound up. Another quote I have, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. The gentleman that had that was William James. Two other scriptures which I think will be helpful in this as we sort this whole thing out. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against those things there's no law. So, Again, the enemy's trying to pull us. What will we stand on? Litmus test. Where are my thoughts taking me? Are my thoughts of the Spirit? Are they bearing fruit in this direction? Are they pulling me away from that? Also in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, of good report, if there's any excellence in any worthy thing, dwell on these things. A lot of times this fear and anxiety begins to knock at the door of our heart. It's pulling us away from those things. It's again just some some scriptures to be able to stand on. Now, through this, I I have a couple um, things that I'm going to touch on. Basically, I call them action plans. And some of this material I got from um, a woman by the name of Brittany Moses. And so she ironed out these these very practical steps. So next slide. As we... uh, it, especially if it's, uh, it's an ongoing attack. This anxiety, the fear, whatever, is an area of weakness. Of course, the enemy is always going to try to target our weakest areas. That just makes the most sense from a military battle. You hit them where they're weak. And also, from a military standpoint, you want to take out communication. That's a prime target in a military attack. If you can disrupt the communication, everything else is pretty much cakewalk from there. And as in regard to our minds and our hearts, the communication is what does God have to say to us? And that's, again, the prime target of... So anyway, identify the trigger. Is there a recurring um, arena? Uh, is, it, is it always finances that get you anxious? Is it always a particular relationship? Whatever. If there's a commonality, identify what the trigger is. Number two, write down your thoughts that follow. Don't worry about scrutinizing it just yet, but go ahead and, and write down, what am I feeling? What, what, what's going on with regards to this trigger? Number three, note your reactions. Well, what's your common reaction? Be honest. Okay, well, now let's also look at what are, what are some options. What can I choose instead of my regular reaction? Number four, bring yourself around to the reality. And this is where you, you spend a little bit of time digging into what's the Word of God have to say. And so three and four kind of go, go together. If the first part, no reaction, that, that's just our, 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 what's our default? What's our common thing? Well, the options and the reality, and I capitalize that, are not just because it was, you know. Anyway, but it's like God's reality. 
what does the reality of the Word of God have to say about this particular thing? And again, with the, uh, I mentioned as far as it's, uh, the enemies attacking our communication and us between God, that's something that we need to grapple with and wrestle through and understand at the core level. Because really, as we allow the enemy to pull us in anxiety and fear, we're setting ourselves against really trusting God, trusting God and trusting his word. We're allowing our emotions to upset that cart. And recognizing that, again, is very important. Let's see. So, um, what's the next slide here? Yeah. Now, this, some of you might be familiar with this. This is a very com- fairly common thing within the realm of psychology. This is basically Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Starting at the bottom, basically, um, this guy Maslow said, each and every person at the core of their being Psychological needs, air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction. Oh, physio- yeah, sorry, physiological. Thank you. My wonderful wife. Really, no, it's, it's, I'm not. Physiological. It's important because, like, psychological, is, we're not there yet. We're only at the physiological, the base. And um, I enjoy psychology, but where I really saw that truth play out was in my work at the, uh, the youth facility. Basically, they take in, uh, I've shared it before, but for those who aren't familiar, um, they take in kids that have been placed through CPS, so it's through instances of severe neglect, severe abuse, those types of things. And until that kid felt that he was able to feel safe and feel relied on that gateway, the facility, could provide food on a regular basis be able to take care of their regular needs of being able to sleep and feel physically safe from abuse, shelter, clothing, until they were comfortable and confident that those core needs were taken care of. They were basically relationally and everything like that, deaf, blind, and dumb to anything a youth care worker or social worker would be able to speak to them. Now, it's certainly good to be able to say those things and to be able to reassure them of those things, but until they had that core need, until they felt for themselves that those things would be taken care of, you really wouldn't be able to move up to other levels. And a lot of times, uh, the part of this whole anxiety and the fear, we need to be able to trust that God can take care of us in these things. And the enemy, again, tries to attack. A lot of times it's because of our own upbringing, because of the things with the tragic experiences we had as a kid. Whatever, 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 the, the, those things, the sin nature, we live in a fallen world, all those types of things the enemy is going to try to use and attack against us to have us distrust God. And again, we need to understand that that is really where the, the core of this thing, do we trust God? Am I willing to really honestly believe God and take him at his word and stand on his promises. Another, um, as I was, again, preparing for this, not directly, it was through um, the, I mentioned Brittany Moses. She cited and had a quote from, um, I just blanked on her, Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown. One of the other times I had shared, 
I was drawing quite a few, bit of information from her just because I, I really, um, the work that she ha has done, the research that she's done, she's a doctor uh, of research, really resonates with, with me. I, I really honestly feel with the Word of God and the truths that God lays out in His Word. Um, getting a little bit ahead of myself, sorry. The next slide, I think we have Psalm 119. We rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let the reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, that, that, the, under, the foundation of it, can we trust God? God's promise that his peace can pass all understanding. The enemy tries to get into our understanding and tries to steal our joy, to steal our peace, to steal our hope. All those things which I mentioned before. Those were the pages I'm done with. So, <clears throat> Okay, now with the... Uh, I have a few quotes from um, Brene Brown because, again, they just really... Oh, sorry. I missed some action steps there. Number one, uh, related to, again, having that scripture, being able to stand on the promises of the Word of God. Get some three-by-five memo cards. Write a scripture on each card that speaks the truth against fear and anxiety. I believe there's a two with that. Okay. Some of you are, are already familiar with the concept of journaling, and uh, I'll go into... Those of you who are, basically, or those who aren't, I should say. Essentially, it's having a notebook, Spending some time, whether it be in, in the Word of God or in prayer, and they're saying, okay, God, what, do you, what are you trying to speak to me? What can I take away from this verse or in your prayer time? Okay, these are the things, God, I'm bringing before you. So what, um, again, Brittany Moses had proposed in this is related to anxiety. You have two columns in your journal. The left side, what, what am I anxious about? What, what is really dragging me and, and pulling me into this, just this, sensation of dread, of fear, of whatever, and doing that on the left-hand side of the column, and then on the second side, what does the Word of God say about this? What are some promises that I can stand on? So again, it kind of ties into that three by five, but going and, and having, having the cards, but also using it as a practice within your journal. Some of you might be familiar with the acronym FEAR versus FAITH. Anyway, FEAR being false evidence appearing real. Again, it's realizing that this whole battlefield is in our mind. The enemy is putting something before us to steal away the things that God's promised for us, false evidence appearing real. He's setting it before us. A lot of times we're running ahead of things. We get anxious about tomorrow. Oh, well, there's some verses about that. Consider the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. Will not God take care of you? Okay, now... I think I have the quotes on. Oh, yeah. Again, standing on the Word of God. Can we go to the next one? There we are. Now, I, I pulled these from, um, I, she had a couple TED Talk videos, went just viral basically because she was talking about being vulnerable and, and anxiety and shame. And so these things were um, basically an interviewer was talking with her and asked her 
Okay, is there anything? Now it's, it was like, I think a year after the TED Talk video. Anything that you wish that you've learned through this last year that you wish you had addressed in it? She said, I wish I could talk more about why and how we're losing people. The whole measurement idea of good parenting versus bad parenting. Good employees versus bad employees. I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's illuminating. I think the best way to look at things, are people engaged? Are people engaged as parents, engaged as employees, engaged as leaders? I don't think engagement can happen without vulnerability. I definitely don't think it can happen in the midst of shame. If you think you're dealing with issues like worthiness and authenticity and vulnerability, or I'm sorry, if you think dealing with issues like worthiness, authenticity, and vulnerability are not worthwhile because there are more pressing issues like the bottom line, attendance, standardized test scores, you are sadly, sadly mistaken. It underpins everything. You have to understand shame. You have to understand where the message comes from, what drove it, how it has protected you in the past. See, a lot of times that, that fear and anxiety, God's trying to take us to a new level, but yet we're comfortable with the old and we feel that tension. We're comfortable with the past. Oh, wait. Uh, it has protected you in the past. Are you willing to look at it in the eye and say, Thanks. I appreciate it, but I'm not subscribing anymore. I've got a new way of doing things. Maybe you kept me safe and small in the past, but I'm not doing that. In these arenas of anxiety and fear, we need to be able to take that with the Word of God, the promises of God. We need to be able to take those things and be able to look at whatever that arena of fear, shame, anxiety, whatever it is, look at it square in the eyes and have that conversation. Continuing, she said, vulnerability is not weakness. The uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure we face every day are not optional. Each and every one of us are going to face these things. That's a part of just living in a fallen world. That's a part of being this side of eternity. Each and every one of us are going to face those things. Our only choice is a question of engagement. Our willingness to own and engage with our own vulnerability determines the depth of our courage and the clarity of our purpose. The level to which we protect ourselves from being vulnerable is a measure of our fear and disconnection. I mean, that's some pretty... That, that was, I mean, I realize it's a longer quote, but to me, there's a lot of meat in that, a lot of practical, like, I couldn't put it any more concisely myself or any more appropriately, I don't think. I want to take just a moment to um, have us consider... The, uh, the accounts which we find in, let's see, I've got to get my show caught up here, in Mark 5. I don't have it as slides or anything, but in Mark 5, verses 24 through 34 is the account of the um, woman that had the issue of blood. And as you read that account, you find that, that she basically says within herself, if I can only touch the hem of his garment... I'll be healed. She has that determination. She has that faith, if you will. And there's a crowd around, and she touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed. There's a whole crowd around Jesus, but he knows something just happened. Now, of course, he's, he's God. He's omniscient. But I think for the purpose of a teaching moment for everyone that was there, 
he asked the disciples, you know, who touched me? And are you kidding me? There's a whole crowd of people around. There's a lot of people that are pressing up against you. So then she says, you know, she admits to what I did. Jesus says, your faith has made you well. With regards to our anxiety and our fears, we need to be able to take that bold stand with what I I just read and, and you saw on the screen a few moments ago. Be able to take that authoritative stand against the arena of fear and anxiety over these different areas. And as you find victory in one area, that's going to give God is, you know, you'll see God as being faithful. That's the real, like, we're, and that's the power of testimonies. And that's why I love that we are so relational. We're in each other's lives. That's the way God's designed it. So we can find encouragement as Howie or Janet, they, they talk about something that God just did in their life. That gives me encouragement that I can stand. And maybe I can go on and maybe I don't have to look at myself as a grasshopper amidst these giants. No, God's given me that land. It doesn't matter how big the giant of anxiety, of fear, of whatever this is, looks. God's got my back. I can maybe step into that arena, win some victory after victory there. Now I can look at another area of my life that I'm fearful or anxious about. Maybe God will give me the victory there. To be able to have that assertiveness based on the Word of God, based on the promises of God, to be able to say, I know I can press in and I can get victory in this area. The same as the woman did, because... God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're all at our disposal, at the ready, to prove themselves to be faithful to us. That's their desire and delight, that we would be walking victoriously. And again, the, um, I think I have, yes. So I started, of course, you probably saw I had fear versus faith, and I talked about the fear, false evidence appearing real. So faith, there's a few of these. Um, Forsaking all, I trust him. Another one. I like this one. Fantastic adventures in trusting him. The third one, yeah. This is a little bit of a different twist, but anyway, fear ain't in this house. I don't know if the black chiefs are familiar with that one, but yeah. I could see that as a poster. In, in, exactly like, uh, go ahead, Jamie. Just, just say it nice and loud. because I know that's a you thing. That you'd say that. The last one. Yeah. See? I just had, I mean, like, I completely, my mind was right there. Jamie. That's a Jamie. That's a right there. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, you know, as, as the enemy tries to bring these things in, stand with faith, you know. The stuff of the past, it's in the past. I'm going to forsake that stuff. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that God has adventures in strengthening me. And establishing more as, you know, that I, that I will know that I know that I'm a child of the one true king. It's very important for us to just be able to have these things and be able to walk in the victory that, that he's given us, he's, he's desiring for us to walk in. I don't think I have these as slides, but um, two other verses. Matthew 6.34, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Psalm 46, 10. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As I started saying, this thing of anxiety and fear, it's something that we all experience. I think that is one that I need. (laughs) We all face it. We have measures of engagement in that battle, in that arena. 
So just because you find yourself being pulled into that fight, do not think for a moment that that means that you're any lesser of a Christian or that you're a weaker Christian or that God's forgotten you or God's abandoned you. That's all stuff the enemy would love to throw at you that are lies. What you're going through now, and I'm reading it, I apologize, but it's just I want to really be able to get this truth precise. What you're going through now and the work of God, the work that God is doing in your life is all specifically tailored to the calling he has on your life. These vulnerabilities are part of your story. They're how you will connect with all the world around you from a real place of humanity and compassion. They're how you will be able to speak the language of the hurting and the broken to show them the light of Christ. In John 9, we find the the account of the, the man who was blind. And the disciples, in their uh, spirit of religiosity, in their spirit of like, oh, hey, I think we got this thing figured out now, but I'm not quite sure. So anyway, they asked Jesus, now, this guy's blind. Is that because of his sin or the sin of his parents? So it's got to be related to sin. So was it him or his parents? You know, they're just like foot-in-mouth syndrome because they're disciples, and a lot of times they can be like us. But anyway, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents, but it happened so the works of God might be displayed in him. A lot of times, again, I've already said it, but I just want to be able to reinforce it. As anxiety and fear comes knocking at the doors of our heart, be able to just say, all right, this is a fresh opportunity. Fantastic adventures in trusting God. I'm going to step up to the plate. I'm going to trust God once again in this arena because he's doing, promised to do his work in me and through me. And what I learned in this lesson is going to be a blessing to someone else. Final action step to, to pass along to you. Make a list of the affirmations that you will choose to believe today. Hang it somewhere visible throughout your day. Because we need those reminders. We so, because we're frail, we're, we're all in this battle together. To be quite honest and to be transparent, I need to be doing that more. Because there, there's times where I, I allow myself to get beat up in whatever arena more than I should or more than I could had I done something like that, be able to just have the Word of God right there before me. And as I was preparing this, I'm just going to read some lyrics. Some of you might be familiar or very familiar with the Matthew West song, All In. It just, to me, really seemed to, to be tying into this as far as just going and saying, hey, this, this fear, this anxiety, whatever this arena thing is, the enemy's trying to beat me up. He's beat me up way too long. I'm going to trust God for the victory. So anyway, just reading a little bit of this. My feet are frozen on this middle ground. The water's warm here, but the fire's gone out. I played it safe. For so long, the passion left. Turns out safe is just another word for regret. So I step to the edge, take a deep breath. We're all dying to live, but we're all scared to death. 
And this is the part where my head tells my heart, you should turn back around, but there's no turning back now. I'm going all in, head first into the deep end. I hear your calling, and this time the fear won't win. I'm going all in. I believe that one day I will see your kingdom come. I want to hear you say, welcome home, my child, well done. So I step to the edge. I take a deep breath. I'm not turning back around because there's no turning back now. I'm going all in, head first into the deep end. I hear your calling. This time the fear won't win. I'm going all in. So again, as, I mean, God, God's set his victory. <laughs> victory at what price? Well, geez, look at the cross. Look at what Christ went through to give us victory. Too long the enemies beat up each and every one of us with fear and anxiety and apprehension. Stuff that God's totally able to and desiring to take care of for us, to prove himself to be faithful. So it comes down to our taking that step willing to trust him. Thank you, Mike, for that teaching on uh, fear and anxiety. Ever since uh, the garden, men and women have been running in fear, anxiety, disillusionment, trying to find satisfaction and hope in everything and anything. Isn't it true? Jesus was in the garden, too. Anxious. The Bible says that he sweated great drops of blood when he viewed himself going to the cross, taking on the sin of the world. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God. Everybody go, oh, doesn't that give you peace today? The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of the enemy. And the enemy's work today is to cause you to be anxious, fearful, stressful, fretting, the Bible views anxiety, let's face it, as sin. Sin is something that separates you from God. Anxiety is sin. Battle it. Overcome it with the presence of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, we have been justified by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. God looks at us, legally said, you're free. You can go. Amen? Amen. Because of this, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand anxiety-free, worry-free, fretful-free in the liberty and the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe today that you can live an anxious-free life? Wouldn't that be awesome? How much would you pay for that? Everything. Everything. Friends, Jesus Christ paid everything so that you could be free today. We are in a summer of freedom. And I'm not talking about U.S. freedom. But we thank God every day that we're free, able to worship here. I'm talking about a heart freedom where you wake up every day knowing that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, you can live in anxious worry-free because there is a peace that passes understanding, a peace that mount, mounts guard around your heart and around your life in the midst of the storm. You, you wonder to yourself, what is going on? Why am I so peaceful? Jesus wanted us to come out of the grip of sin and shame and condemnation into the grip 
of his overcoming love and power so that every moment of every day we can live with this beautiful sensation, a beautiful experience that God has us in the palm of his hands. We are his cherished possession today, and he'll never, ever lose you. Amen? He loves you today. What are you anxious about? What are you afraid about? What I love about Jesus is you can come right up into his face, yell at him, curse at him if you want. And then he just grabs you and he says, you need me. Amen. You need me. It's okay to get upset with God. I got upset the other week and I said, God, do you really, really love me? Because what I see, I don't think so. That's just me. Okay? <laughs> and then what's beautiful about Christ is you, you come to him in confession. And as Daryl explained, he reveals more of himself. We don't need answers on paper. We don't need to know the future. We need to experience the life-giving presence of God in our hearts and lives. And when we rest on him, everything is beautiful. The rock. Amen? We rock on with the rock of ages, who is Jesus Christ. If you're anxious today, stop it. Just stop it. Turn your heart over to the wonder and the amazement of God's love and grace that transforms your heart and life. Why do you think Jesus died? So that you could be religious? So that you could be good? So that you could say to others, you're a sinner, man. I don't do what you do. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen? If you break one aspect of the law, you've broken the whole law, and the gap is too far for you to climb. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What are you going to do in your shortness of the glory of God? Jesus gulfed that span through the cross, and now we place our feet on the cross of Jesus, and we walk to God because his hand is outreached to us. Isn't that awesome? Take his hand today. Give him your anxiety. Give him your fear. Give him your worry. And in return, he gives you himself. And you know what? This isn't going to be proper English, but himself is good enough. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) Himself is good enough. You know, I often uh, look at examples of Scripture where Jesus could have really judged, man. He was God. I I just think of Zacchaeus up in the tree. This dude was evil, man. In the flesh, all of us would want to take him out behind the shed and just bring Tony and Vinny over and have our way with him because he was a thief, a robber, and he was robbing his own people four times the amount he would take in taxes. But he heard about this love of God. Many think that when Matthew early on had a, had a dinner, Zacchaeus was there when Jesus was there, and he caught a glimpse of Jesus, and something was stirring in his heart. And Zacchaeus, very, very short, ran up a tree so he could see this Jesus. And this is what I love about God. Whenever we're up a tree, Jesus always sees us. Amen? Always sees us. And he said, Zacchaeus, get yourself down. 
Let's go. Let's go hang out at your house because I want to I bring you freedom. I want to get you out of your shame and out of your guilt. And the result of peace with God is restitution and reconciliation with others. Isn't it awesome? When you have peace with God, you're ready to make restitution with anybody. You're, you're, you're ready to make peace with anybody because God has made so much peace with you. And this is what the body of Christ is all about. We are ministers of reconciliation, not for, just for the broken and the lost, but right here in our, in our midst today, we are ministers of reconciliation. We're bringing restoration to each other. We're bringing life to each other. I got worries, I got anxieties, but you know what? I got a great and awesome God that when I focus on him, he renews me and he restores me and he gives me his presence. Look at the woman at the well. What a life she lived. Five husbands divorced. The, woman, the man that she was living with was not her husband. And Jesus said, King James Version, I believe, I must needs go through Samaria. Why? To relieve the anxiety, the shame, the guilt, the condemnation of one broken woman at a well. That's her God. You were at a well and God met you. He took you and he set you free. Amen. To live a life not worth spending our time worrying and fretting. The Bible says, why don't you take a look at a, at a bird? <laughs> God takes care of the birds. You don't see birds hanging out on a wire talking with each other. Man, I'm so worried about my kids, you know. And, man, you know, there used to be worms over in that tree. But those worms are gone now. I don't know where I'm going to get the food. I'm so worried. No, man. They're just casually flying around. Right? Satisfied, fulfilled, singing their songs. This is exactly what Jesus Christ wants to give to us. A song in the night. The Bible says is a promise to us. He gives songs in the night. And when we have pain, joy always comes in the morning. What are you anxious about? If you have something on your mind right now that you're anxious, I want you to stand to your feet. And as you stand and as we pray, You're going to give that to God right up through this ceiling. This ceiling that needs a roof. Right up into the heavens. You will commit your way to the Lord and give it to him. And in response, he's going to give you his peace. And he's going to restore you. And he's going to renew you. And you'll have a new sense and adventure about this life that we live. We live by the power and the presence of Almighty God. God is going to take care of you. Do you realize that? God is going to take care of you. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you. The Bible says that all things work together for the good to those that are called according to his purpose. You might not understand what in the world you're going through right now. You might shake your fist at God and say, God, what are you doing? But you know what? The good God is going to be there for you as you feel his presence. And as you worship him, you spend time in his presence. You renew your mind. The Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? Listen, remember before Christ, your mind was on all kinds of stuff. And now it's focused 
on the wonderful love and grace of Jesus. And he begins to renew our mind, refocus our emotions, and redirect our will back to God. Amen? Today your life is hidden with Christ in God. You are surrounded by him. And nobody can get to you. Amen? Because he is your protector and your provider today. Song you got. What's that? Give me faith. Give me faith, yeah. All right, so we're going to spend a, a few moments just worshiping the God. This is the, this is the summer of freedom, friends. I got some stuff that I got to get rid of, man. I got to give to the Lord. I'm going to lift my heart to the Lord now. All my anxieties, all my fears. The Bible says that in the end days, men's hearts will fail them because of fear. God wants to give you a peace that passes all understanding as we worship him. Worship him today and give it to the Lord. Receive the peace of God in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Thank you, Lord. Give me faith. 